Jack came into our bedroom at 4 a.m., which, I don't know about you, in my book, that's the middle of the night. It's still the middle of the night. Dad, you got to come into our room. There's a bat flying around. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, I am from dead asleep to wide awake. Uh, and by the time I got my leather gloves and tennis racket, uh, our little flappy friend had landed and hidden himself, and after a search, alone, by the way, me in the room, alone for 10 or 15 minutes or so, I don't know how long it was, he was found and relocated. Uh, and with my alarm set to go off at 6.30, I went back to bed. Did I sleep? And I, I mean, I had all that adrenaline going through me, you know, I'd, I'd been hyper-focused on finding the bat, getting rid of the bat. Now I'm lying there thinking, how many more are up in the attic? How soon can the bat guy come to our house? You don't just drift off to sleep again after like a... Uh, and you might find that story of our unexpected visitor uh, somewhat amusing, but in our passage today, Paul is going to talk about being dead asleep or wide awake, unconscious or on alert as it has to do with the return of Christ. In this case, being asleep or awake makes all the difference in the world. It is a matter of life and death for each one of us. So, uh, so we can follow along with Paul's train of thought. I really need to, to go back to the passage that we did two weeks ago. Thank you, Logan, for preaching last week while we were, uh, our family was on vacation. I'm sorry for splitting up this, these passages. These, they really go together. So we're going to read uh, the end of chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse 13, and then on into chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, which is our text today. So please follow along as I read. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. But, uh, excuse me, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, 
but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, chapter 4, what we did a couple of weeks ago, being asleep describes believers who are physically dead. In chapter 5, he switches. He uses this to describe unbelievers who are spiritually unconscious. When it comes to Christ's return, are we asleep or awake, drunk or sober? Well, here's the message for us from God's Word today. Until Christ comes, we must be conscious of our gospel calling. Until Christ comes again, we must be awake, alert, sober. We must be conscious, mindful of our gospel calling. We're going to work through this passage in three parts using three words from the text as our headings. Surprised, sober, and salvation. So here's one, part one. Surprised? We should not be caught unprepared when God's judgment comes. In the first part of uh, Paul's teaching, again, we did a couple weeks ago on Jesus' return, the end of chapter 4, he had to inform them of things they didn't know. Those who die before Christ returns will not miss out on his glorious kingdom. Here he says, now this is stuff you already know. You already know this. You don't need me to include this in the letter. We're just going to do a little review. And it's clear that what he has taught them is what he got from Jesus, what Jesus had taught them. So when we were looking at the end of chapter 4, I read to you a portion of Jesus' words from Matthew 24, verses 29 to 31, about the Son of Man coming, Jesus saying, Son of Man will come in the clouds in, with power and great glory, as prophesied in Daniel 7, where we were earlier this year. He'll, he'll send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and gather his chosen ones from the four corners of the earth. And then just a few verses later in Matthew 24, and I'm going to go there to read this. Matthew 24, um, 36 to 44 says this. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware, until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's, those are the words of Jesus, clearly forming the basis for what Paul had taught them, what he was now reviewing with them. Now, that first verse I read from Matthew, verse uh, Matthew twenty four, thirty six. No one knows the day or the hour. Not the angels, not even the Son, not Jesus himself, but the Father only. That, that's, we talk about some of the most famous, well-known verses of the Bible. Uh, Logan touched on one last week, John three sixteen. One of the most famous, well-known verses in the Bible. This is one of the most flagrantly ignored verses in the Bible. No one knows the day or the time when Jesus is going to come back. It seems like every, at least once every generation since Christ left the earth, somebody thinks, ah, 
I, I figured it out. Come on. I really? Okay, I figured it out. I, I, I put the, there's, there's actually a number code in the Bible or something. Something they figured it out, and they, they know when Jesus is going to come. And they usually get a following, usually till the day passes on the calendar when it, Jesus doesn't come back. And maybe they do, well, oh, I was, you know, I was just a little off. It's actually next year or something like that. But usually it just kind of all fades away in terms of the following. Paul says, I'm not going to write to you about times or season. I'm not going to write to you about putting a date on the calendar because you know what Jesus said about that, right? You know what I've taught you about that. He's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to come at a time when you do not expect. And it's the, the fact that it's unexpected, it's not unpredictable in that sense that we are to be always ready. You don't know the day, so you've got to be ready every day. That's, that's the, the practical application that Jesus gives and that Paul is giving. Stay awake. But here's the tragedy. For as many that, down through history that have tried to set a particular date, predict the date that Jesus is going to return, far more, many, many more commit the, uh, the opposite problem, which is in some ways far worse pretending that that day will never happen. One problem, I know when it's going to be. Other problem, worst problem, far more common, never going to happen. That's a problem. Because Paul describes this uh, Christ's return as the day of the Lord. Not just any day, it's a day of reckoning, it's the day of judgment. This is a day when, when the on God's timetable, on God's scoreboard, the buzzer sounds. Time's up. Game over. What's the score? The Old Testament prophets Joel, Amos, and Malachi all talk about the day of the Lord, or in the phrase some of them use, the great and awesome day of the Lord. Here's Joel chapter 2, verses 30 to 32. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Now, now the emphasis is different between Joel and Paul from what I just read and, and what Paul says, but the event is the same. The emphasis is different. The event is the same. On the day of the Lord, Joel says, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul says, those who pretend like, like the Lord doesn't exist, like Jesus is not coming back, that everything is just fine, they will not be saved. They will not escape. They will face the wrath of God. They, they're thinking that life is just going to keep on going just as it is. Another backyard barbecue, another night with Netflix, and then wham, sudden destruction, Paul says, and they will not escape. Now, it's not, not, not at all saying you can't do those everyday kinds of things. Uh, just got back from vacation. Just enjoyed a graduation party last night. Well, attended a wedding earlier this spring. These are the kinds of normal, happy things that we have in life. And it's not saying those are wrong or bad. You shouldn't do them. It's just saying uh, that the, 
the world thinks that's all there is. Like, that's the top. Yeah, this is it. And so, if we can, and, and, and it, we're just going to keep on enjoying it, it's going to get better, and we're, gonna, we're just going to have a great time. Uh, the world thinks it's all there is, it's going to go on forever, and they will never have to answer to God for what they have done or not done with their lives. But there is a day, known only to God, and it will catch so many people unaware, asleep. And just like when labor pains come, you might have been, you might have been sitting there just pretty fairly comfortable, and then, bam, it hits you. Oh! It might it'd be just like when a thief in the, comes in the night. Those who are asleep will be caught off guard, and all their valuables will be gone in a moment. All the stuff that they thought would make life meaningful, enjoyable, when the day of reckoning comes, they will be left with nothing. Now, I'm not trying to scare you or anybody else with that. I'm just trying to give you the warning that Paul's giving, that Jesus is giving. The, the warning that he gives and the opportunity, in the words of the prophet Joel, the opportunity for you to be saved from the wrath to come, to, be, to escape the judgment. This is, this is, this is a word to you of, of opportunity, of hope, of salvation, even as it is a message of judgment. So Paul here what, you know, if we're going with Joel, right, the, his emphasis, the, the word for you today is you know, turn to the Lord. Trust him. Re- receive his forgiveness. Receive his promise of safety and security in his, in his family, in his kingdom. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved, says Joel. And Peter brings that up in the book of Acts at Pentecost. But here, Paul is talking to believers. He's talking to people who have already have put their faith in Christ. That's probably most of us here today. And if you are a believer, the, the, that picture of shock and pain and loss uh, in that moment, in that day, in an unexpected moment, that, praise God, is not your story. So, verses, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 4 and 5. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. See, the difference is night and day, he says. Uh, and and it, if you know Jesus as your Savior, then you look forward to his coming, even though you don't know the date on the calendar. It won't be entirely unexpected. It will be highly anticipated. Isn't that true for us? I hope it's true for you. A Christian looks at his calendar on the refrigerator, at her calendar on the phone, and even though we are making plans, and you know what time is, is Abigail's graduation party? Yeah, I'm going to be there. You know, we're we're making plans. We're we're setting like yeah. And when when are we headed to? Uh, drop the kids off at college. When are we? When when are we taking our vacation? We're making plans. But do you ever? Do do you, as a Christian do you sometimes look at those plans and say, "Boy, it'd be nice if Jesus came back before then." You know, I'd be okay if Jesus came back today. 
better than that, right? I'd be okay with it. Well, I don't want to miss that vacation. Come on. It's gonna, this is going to be better. It's like we want to, like this is hot. We should be like, oh, Jesus, we want you to come back. We want that to be the day we look, we're, we're looking forward to that day. So that's another reason to be awake. You know, the, the, the world needs to wake up to the reality that Christ is coming because if you're not awake, it is going to be bad. But, but Christians, we have a reason not to, like, we better be awake because he might come back. And we're like, we're like, is he coming back? I mean, our eyes like saucers. Is he coming? Maybe today? What if, what if today? And if we could look with that kind of anticipation, you can look forward to starting college this fall, getting married next year, having kids, grandkids, settling into retirement. Look forward to those things. But, but then again, boy, what, I'd like Jesus to come back today. And then we will not know pain or loss, but eternal joy and everlasting gain. And then, because as we read in verse 5, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. And now moving to verse 6 in our next point. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Let me just stop there. This is part two. Sober. We should be alert and focused in a world that is hostile toward God. So this this is, you you can understand, this is not sober, like mm, serious, somber. Sober as in not drunk, right? Clear, sharp, alert. Focus. We should be alert and focused in a world that is hostile toward God. Paul continues to make a sharp contrast between believers and unbelievers, Christians and non-Christians, not in an us versus them combative kind of way, but just like, hey, this is there's difference here in how we live, and there's a difference here in destiny that we gotta we have to appreciate. We gotta get really clear on. Last chapter, chapter four, when loved ones die, Christians do not grieve as others do who have no hope. And beginning this chapter, Christians ought not to be surprised as others will be at the day of reckoning, at the day of Christ's return. Here, others are asleep. They are drunk. But we, well, well they, they, that's because they belong to the night. They belong to the darkness. In contrast, we belong to the light. We belong to the day. So, not as others do. Keep awake. Be sober. Now, just... Appreciate what's going on here. The fact that Paul has to remind them to stay awake and be sober means that it's possible for Christians to slip, slide, drift off to sleep. But that's not who we are. It's not where we belong. We belong to the day. It's not what we're supposed to do, but sometimes it happens. So that's why we need this word. That's why you and I need this word today. So it's worth taking a hard look at ourselves, our, our habits, our attitudes, how we spend our time. How can we be lulled to sleep, start to become a little tipsy, a little inebriated, losing our 
ability to think clearly, losing our focus. Well, remember, his concern is not literal darkness or, or only drunkenness. It's, it's a, he's using this as a picture for uh, broader issues, all the ways that the world can sort of lull us and hypnotize us and anesthetize us. How do we go to sleep on God? Well, just it can be as simple as just starting to live as if he does not exist. It could be as simple as that. I mean, it could look like gross immorality and heinous crimes. You could, you know, get into hard drugs and sex trafficking and violence and vandalism, or you could just start living the American dream with your highest goal being you, me, my grades, my career, my promotion, my image on social media, my wealth, my health, my fitness, my freedom, my happiness. And where's, where's God in that? And suddenly you are asleep toward God. You're, you're drunk with all the things that life offers and, and all the ways that, that there's a constant stream. And we, we've just, we have so, uh, made so efficient the, the, the ways that we can uh, receive new stuff. It just magically appears in cardboard boxes on our porches. And, and, thing, and we can just get all kinds of unlimited uh, movies and books and music, and it's all right, right there coming in or maybe even just right into my ear without even hardly any friction at all. It's just so easy to go to sleep, to get drunk. Nothing wrong in any of those things per se. Nothing that's going to put you in jail. But it might put you in hell, so to speak. Again, not because those things are sins in themselves, but if, if you are lulled to sleep toward God, if you start to get intoxicated by the things of the world and you start to lose your taste for who God is and what his word says, we can become hypnotized, anesthetized, numb. Numb to the greater reality of God, of his word, of his purpose. Insensitive to and, and just not caring, apathetic toward Christ's church, Christ's mission, Christ's kingdom. And suddenly we're not awake anymore. The world is asleep to all of these things because they belong to the night. But folks, we belong to the day. So how do we keep awake and be sober? Well, he he says there in verse 8, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a, a helmet, the hope of salvation. We can trace this. Uh, armor metaphor all the way back to the prophet Isaiah, chapter 59, but we're probably most, most of us are more familiar with Ephesians 6, right? Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is not exactly the same. Uh, he uses the imagery a little differently, you know, here, helmet, or Ephesians, helmet of salvation, here the uh, hope of salvation is a helmet. Uh, Ephesians, breastplate of righteousness here, the breastplate of faith and love. And then wait, maybe, oh, maybe it clicks for you now here. Look, look he's got, he, he, Paul is bringing in the, that spiritual trifecta of 
faith, hope, and love again. He, he, uh, we remember it from 1 Corinthians 13, faith, and hope, faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And, and uh, he did this, though, earlier in this letter, the very beginning, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm like, okay, that's interesting, I guess. But how do faith, hope, and love function as armor for us? And what's this armor for? And, and how is that different from being asleep or drunk? Well, if I could take this out of the realm of, of military armor for the moment uh, to something we, we might see more often, maybe even uh, every day. Our village firehouse is just about halfway between my home and my office here at the church. So I usually walk past, uh, past the firehouse nearly every day of the week. And even when the crew is not out fighting fires, which thankfully is most of the time, they are always busy. They are always making sure that uh, their equipment is ready. The, 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 the gear is ready, the helmets, the coats, the gloves, the oxygen tanks, the, the axe, uh, their vehicles are ready, the water tanks are full, the gas tanks are full, and they're parked, even parked, so that they're nose out, ready to go. They're always on the alert, always able to receive a message from dispatch, always able to get orders from the chief, always ready to go, and not just ready to go, but prepared for the hazards of their mission. Now, difference here. In Paul's picture, this is not just equipment that's available. It's just ready there, hanging on the hooks for them to, you know, get the message and grab them and go. No, he's like, it's what we have already put on. If you're a believer, verse 8, having put on. Like, it's all, you, you got this on if you're a believer. When you have faith and, faith and love guarding your heart, you are prepared for the day of judgment, and you are protected from the numbing effects of this world. When you have the hope of salvation on your head, guarding your mind, you are clear about what's important, what's eternal, and you're not vulnerable to the seduction, the deception of this world. This world may be asleep or drunk when it, as it comes to the things of God, but, they, but the world, we need to understand, the world is not neutral not passive. I mean, you see somebody asleep or drunk, well, they're, they're just not doing anything, right? They're just, they're out. Understand, this world is not neutral. It's not passive. Think of it earlier in the passage. Oh, no, there's peace and safety. Everything is just fine. What, what's going on there is living in this, this sleep and drunkenness is actually living in denial and defiance of who God is and what he said. If you're a believer, Paul is saying, don't get sucked in. Suit up. Don't get sucked in. Suit up. Faith, hope, and love. And having put on faith and love like a breastplate, having put on the hope of salvation like a helmet, let's live with the confidence and the courage of the people of God. We belong to the day. You got to know who, who you are in Christ. And then, verse, just, let me just read verse 8 again, and then we'll, then we'll carry on through to the end for our last part. But since 
We belong to the day. Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. This is part three. Salvation. Help each other to remain steadfast in Christ until he comes to our rescue. Verse 9 explains how this armor is effective. It is not, brothers and sisters, it is not the strength of your faith. It is not the depth of your love. It is not the intensity of your hope that makes the difference that will preserve and protect you. The power that faith, hope, and love do have, the power 